the murder of George Floyd really just reignited that kind of passion within me, which was always there. But I was just so frustrated with the whole situation. And I thought, what can I do to support black professionals? Hello and welcome back to 40 Minute Mentor. Today, as part of our three-part Black History Month feature series, we're handing over the podcast mic to Samuel Tolley of Hidden Pages. Hidden Pages is a zine discovering hidden, melanated history and lists of sources exploring the Black experience. In partnership with JBM and in the spirit of this year's theme of celebrating our sisters, saluting our sisters and honouring matriarchs of movements, Samuel will be taking over 40 Minute Mentor with two feature episodes. In today's episode, Samuel is joined by Faith Locken, the founder and CEO of We Rise In, an award-winning business network with a mission to inspire, elevate and develop the careers of black professionals. So with all that said, please sit back, relax and enjoy this episode with Samuel Tolley and Faith Locken. Hi everyone. If this voice sounds a bit different, it's not James nor is it Hannah. I'm from the 40 Minute Mental Podcast. Instead it is I, Samuel, founder of Hidden Pages, which is an online black history archive. Some of you may be aware that For some time now, Hidden Pages and the 40 Minute Mentor podcast has been working together to broaden awareness of Black history. Now, there's no better time, although we we know that it should last longer than this month, but there's no better time than Black History Month to put a spotlight on some of the contemporary Black entrepreneurs and Black leaders who are making history as we speak. And so today, um, I have the privilege of being joined with Faith Lotchen, who is the founder and CEO of We Rise In, and it's an award-winning business network whose mission is to inspire, elevate, and develop the careers of Black professionals whilst promoting inclusion, equity, and diversity in corporate industries. Faith, it's such an honour to have you here on the podcast, and we go back quite some time. We went to university together. You've inspired me since the day I met you, and you continue to inspire us. So thank you so much for joining us here on the 40 Minute Mental Podcast. Could you tell the people who are listening a bit about who you are and what We Rise In is all about? Hi, thank you, honestly, Sam, for having me on. So yeah, like you said, We Rise In is a business network for mid to senior level black professionals. And we provide our members with a platform and a community of like-minded people with whom they can connect and do business. We also work with corporate companies to address and improve the lack of diversity at senior levels in industry. And we do this via sort of inclusion workshops and running programs like reverse mentoring programs for senior leaders in business. Reverse mentoring is when you flip traditional mentoring on its head. In traditional mentoring, usually the more senior or experienced person is the mentor. However, in the case of reverse mentoring, the more senior person becomes the mentee. On our reverse mentoring program at We Rise In, we pair white professionals who act as the mentees with black and ethnically diverse professionals who act as the mentors. The pairs then have one-to-one mentoring meetings over a nine-month period. During their meetings, we ask the pairs to discuss their lived experiences in society and the workplace. We provide them with a mentoring guidebook suggesting topics they might want to cover, exploring their differences in culture, 
race and ethnicity. The aim of the programme is to encourage better communication and understanding of issues relating to race within the workplace and wider society. The outcome of the programme is that the mentees gain an increased awareness and understanding of challenges ethnically underrepresented professionals face, personally, professionally and within society, and hopefully also the confidence to challenge discrimination within corporate settings when situations arise. The mentor, on the other hand, hopefully comes away feeling they have an ally or a career sponsor who better understands the challenges that they face and who is prepared to tackle some of these issues head on. Amazing. Thank you so much for that breakdown. We were chatting earlier about, I guess, just the importance of spaces and conversations that can be accessible to people from the Black community, because sometimes key discussions or just great development opportunities come up very spontaneously. And so it's fantastic to know that you've started an initiative and a business around capturing those spontaneous moments that really breed a lot of significant value for people in the community. And um, when did you realise that this was a business that you had to start? I guess it depends on the kind of the nature of the question. In terms of having to start a business, i.e. not wanting to work for someone else and wanting to work for myself, um, I guess I've always been very entrepreneurial. I kind of started my own first business when I was about 11. I did like tutoring and stuff like that. But then for this particular business, well, I worked for almost 10 years in sort of real estate in the built environment. And whilst working in corporate industry, I was heavily involved in diversity and inclusion initiatives. I set up various internal networks in the companies that I worked at um, to try and raise awareness for specifically racial diversity within organisations. And then I got a little bit disillusioned with it all because I felt like the work that we were doing to try and improve I was looking around the organisation and looking externally at the sort of society and not much change was happening. So I kind of said, oh, do you know what? Clearly the efforts that we we're trying to put in are not working. So I took a step away from sort of diversity, equity, inclusion work in um, 2019. But then, of course, the year after, it was 2020, there were obviously huge events like a global pandemic, but quite critically, that kind of the passion within me, which was always there. But I was just so frustrated with the whole situation. And I thought, what can I do to support black professionals or black people, the community in general? And I just thought that when I looked around, there seemed to be a lot of push for an influx of ethnic diversity at sort of junior level. So graduate schemes, apprentice schemes. But when you looked upwards, you know, at that kind of senior management level, there was hardly any representation from an ethnic background perspective. And then for those who are sort of in the middle level of their career, there was a lack of kind of support in terms of developing those, you know, the black talent and black and minority ethnic talent that existed in organisations. So that's where I was like, right, maybe I can do something to help. And that's when I decided to set up a mentorship programme. So the business actually started off just off of a mentorship program because I thought to myself I know enough senior black professionals in my industry that I could pair up with more junior people in the hope that they could sort of learn from the senior black professionals and what they did to kind of get to that level of seniority so yeah I started doing that so the catalyst was George Floyd and the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter but also seeing a lack of support within my own industry at the time and wanted to do something about it. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think George Floyd 
and that incident was a catalyst for so many movements. And I think there has definitely been a shift in energy in terms of how Black entrepreneurs like yourselves, Black communities are more, are probably, I mean, they've always been a bit loud anyway, but probably even more invigorated because I think the incident and just generally Black Lives Matter protests that happened as a result of the massacre of other Black individuals across the world just highlighted the gap between rhetoric and reality. And it's just great to hear that We Rise In is something that you have felt energised enough to bring into fruition. And you touched on a mentorship aspect as well. And representation matters. It's good to have people in an organisation who look like you. What's already been done in that instance is the barrier of feeling like other or a tick box is immediately reduced if not completely decimated. And on that note of mentorship as well, you know, throughout your, maybe not even necessarily professional career, but perhaps even as young as your academic days as well, have you had mentors, you know, in the past? And if so, how did you go about finding them? Yes, I have had many mentors. I consider everyone in my circle to be someone I can learn from. And that to me is a mentor. You know, if someone has, done something that you are hoping to achieve or aspiring to achieve to do, that person could be a mentor. And I think often when people think about mentorship, they think sort of on a more formal basis, like the program we run, where you're literally being paired up with someone. But a mentor can be, you know, a family member, a friend, you know, when you're having these kind of discussions, it doesn't have to be like diarized meetings per se. It can literally just be you're hearing about someone's experience. Maybe you go to an event and you hear about someone's career. That in itself could be mentorship. So throughout my life, I've had mentors, both sort of in the academic world, but then also within the the sort of corporate world. The mentors that I had when I was working in corporate industry, they were more of unofficial. And I'd say they were more career sponsors than mentors. They were mentors in the sense that they technically, they mentored me. They gave me the, the technical knowledge that I needed to advance in my career as a chartered surveyor but beyond that there were instances where because of the relationship we developed there were instances where they were advocating for me when I wasn't necessarily there and so they were being an ally and the responser in me in that sense and then in terms of entering into the business world and you know starting sort of entrepreneurship full-time I didn't really have a mentor per se but I did know a few people that had left the corporate industry to start up their own businesses. So I just reached out to them and I just said, just so you know, like I'm looking to do this thing. Is there any advice you would give to me as someone kind of starting out in business? So I'd I'd take little nuggets of advice here and there from people that I could see were actively starting and growing their own businesses. And then more formally, I worked with a coach I'm probably going to butcher this, but there's definitely a definition between what a mentor is versus what a coach is. And so a mentor in my kind of mind or the way I view mentors is someone that has done what you're maybe trying to do or is in a position where you hope to be one day and you seek their kind of knowledge and advice. A coach is someone that works with you to develop your sort of either your technical abilities or your abilities sort of internally. So the coach that I worked with, I specifically chose him because I was still working full time. 
and I knew that I wanted to transition out. But I had this kind of, I don't want to say mental blocker because I'm very conscious now about the type of wording that I use when I, you know, that self-talk. I tried to talk to myself positively, not always successfully, but, but there was definitely a part of me that was like, you know, can I really do this? You know, I've spent 10 years of my life. I've spent money on a master's degree to get myself to a particular position in my kind of chosen specialism. And now I'm going to quote unquote, throw all of that away to become a struggling entrepreneur, <laughs> you know, almost starting it from scratch. And so when I worked with that coach, he kind of helped me on my mindset, which I think is super important, particularly for people who are pursuing a career in entrepreneurship. Having a strong mindset is so important because that's what allows you to be resilient in the days where, you know, sometimes you're on your own. It's quite a lonely journey. It can be. Some days you'll be up because, you know, you've maybe secured a new client, there's new revenues coming in. And there's other days where maybe you've lost the client, maybe you've lost money. So it's that kind of up and down nature that you have to kind of build a resilience against. So having that coach really helped me get in the right mindset that prepared me to actually leave the financial security of having a stable job to not, essentially. <laughs> Brilliant. Just that mention of the mindset, you know, and the distinction between what a mentor is and what a coach is and the specific niche skill that coaches have and which is probably why they're so highly lauded that ability to reframe one's mind to empower themselves to achieve consistency to achieve their goals and that was actually sort of linked to another question I had in regards to what are some of the, the mental barriers that you think black entrepreneurs face when it comes to success obviously you've mentioned confidence are there any others that come to mind if we're talking about you know black entrepreneurs in business there are some mental barriers but I think what's probably more prevalent are the systemic barriers that a lot of black entrepreneurs face that can sometimes prevent them from either get taking that first step into business but then also get into the next stage of success within their business in terms of sort of getting started there are a lack of resources and support to be honest, lack of resources and support for business owners in general. I feel like in here in the UK, you know, you're kind of encouraged to go to university, get a job, work till you retire kind of thing. Whereas kind of our friends across the pond in the US, you know, starting up a business is so much more common. So I think here in the UK, there's not as much business support out there. I'm seeing it improve now, like post COVID, but there's a lack of resource for business owners or would be business owners. Then sort of on top of that, there's a lack of resource specifically for black entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs from sort of ethnically underrepresented backgrounds. So sometimes I'm speaking from sort of the black experience, often in black communities, you are not only supporting yourself, you're supporting a bit of family, whether that's here in the UK or maybe back home in, in sort of Africa. And so often there's a mental barrier of, oh, if I'm to leave my stable job, how am I going to successfully support my family? There isn't that financial support there or, or system in place to make them feel like, okay, I can actually leave. So that's sometimes, I think, a mental barrier. And then once you're kind of gotten started, and you're trying to, let's say you started your business, you've proved your business model, you've created your MVP, and you need to scale, that requires access to funding and investment. And so then there is, as quite widely reported, there's a lack of funding out there or lack of funding that goes to 
diverse founders. And I was looking at the UK government site and they'd kind of done a report on it. And they were saying how venture capital back in 2021, businesses with all female founders received only 2% of all the venture capital funding. And then less than 2% of the venture capital funding went to black and ethnic minority led businesses. So there are serious systemic barriers in place, which are then causing black entrepreneurs to have that mental barrier. On that last point, that disparity that you highlighted, that the stats show in regards to the funding that black female entrepreneurs receive is then, and then just black and minority ethics more generally, that is shocking. That is shocking. And it's, it indicates quite clearly that systemic issue that we know too well is quite sticky. You know, it's something that it's just this society just has to or it feels like it has to grapple with. Maybe it doesn't need to. Either way, it's definitely a problem that's sustained in regards to a disparity in opportunity and therefore future success when you compare socioeconomic status and quality of life among the different you know, ethnicities. You know, adding to what you said there, it sounds like some of the mental barriers that we may face in the community could even just be feeling a bit disheartened because you hear stats like this, your daily reality or what you hear from peers, etc., and makes you feel like the mountain you're going to have to climb to achieve what you want is going to be huge. And therefore, that may then knock your confidence too. If you're already feeling, as a result of that, maybe not as valued, not as included. Another word that comes to mind in regards to those mental barriers is the fear. Perhaps, you know, if I leave my stable nine to five or eight to six, I am scared I won't be able to take care of my financial responsibilities that are beyond me as an individual, but include me looking after my family as well. Having highlighted that, what do you think can be done to overcome those mental barriers? I mean, you mentioned the importance of a coach, but we also know there is a socioeconomic barrier to coaches, unless there are programs out there, which I'm sure they are perhaps not as widely publicised, where you can perhaps get a coach to focus specifically on improving one's psyche regarding the business and general achievement. But what can be done day to day? And it could be things that are as commonly talked about as mantras, writing goals down. You know, what comes to mind when we think about that challenge of overcoming those mental barriers? That is honestly such a great question because you're right, the access to some coaches, because coaches aren't cheap. I was fortunate enough to work with a coach pro bono. So there are programs out there or coaches out there who will sort of offer some of their services pro bono. But beyond that, you can get coached by, you know, reading. I do a lot of reading and a lot of listening to audiobooks and podcasts, and they're usually sort of around sort of the self-development areas. So listening to the likes of Simon Sinek and his kind of, you know, start from why I, I listen to the Stephen Bartlett podcast avidly because the guests he has on there, like, and the questions he's asking are amazing. And listening to podcasts like the 40 Minute Mentor podcast, you can access sort of coaching services through relatively accessible means. In terms of kind of what I did to kind of mentally prepare myself, like I said, I worked with a coach. But I also knew that for me, having that financial backstop was really important. So I, I love a spreadsheet and I'm like always about the money. So I calculated what I would need to cover myself for six months worth of living expenses. And so I was, whilst working, I was squirreling away money 
to save to know that, okay, once I leave my job as a minimum, I've got six months worth of my expenses covered. So that took away that kind of fear around the financial aspect, which I then knew that that would give me the best possible fighting chance to really to come into the business and really just focus on building the business and not be concerned about, oh, you know, whether we make money. Then there's discipline. So being disciplined and managing your time is so important. I feel like I always say how you do one thing is how you do everything. You really need to start as you mean to go on. So setting yourself goals and targets and then breaking them down into bite-sized chunks, which you accomplish on a daily basis, that in itself can really give you a mental boost if you know that, oh, I've completed X amount of tasks. Oh, great. Great for me kind of thing. And then I'm currently working with a mentor on the Barclays Black Founders Accelerator Program. And we talked about this sort of growth mindset and having above and below the line thinking. So when you're kind of talking to yourself, how are you speaking to yourself? Are you speaking to yourself in a positive way or in a negative way? And it seems cliche or or silly, but really, you know, the words that you use and things that you tell yourself, it really does manifest. And the mentor was talking to me about how our brain is like a learning machine. So if you talk to the brain negatively, it's obviously going to produce kind of, it's going to continue to think negatively and think that every outcome is going to be a negative outcome. But if you think positively, the brain will start to think about, okay, well, how can I make sure that anything that I do, that, you know, there is a positive outcome to come in the end of it. Quite a few ways there, but primarily see if you can get yourself a coach, work on your self-development, be disciplined and just be positive in your thinking. There's some really, really good bits of advice there. And I think what's important about the advice you've given there as well is that it makes coaching, it makes the work of improving one's mindset more accessible. And it proves how accessible it is that you don't necessarily have to be earning bank to be on the 34th floor of a tower block in central London with a guy juggling marbles in his or her hand, looking all pensive. And again, you sort of really look deep into yourself, you know, self-help, improvement, these veins of positive thinking are more accessible than we think they are. So yeah, we really appreciate you sharing the ways in which people can achieve that, you know, in their day to day as well. With regards to, I think you might have mentioned a bit, maybe it's prior, some of the mentoring you've done as well in the past. How are the ways that you've gone about fostering a positive relationship with your mentees? I don't really kind of put myself out there as a mentor. I've had people come to me and say, you know, will you mentor me? And if my time permits, I'm always happy to lend my time. Sometimes mentoring can be just, uh, you know, someone's called you for a 20 minute chat and that's fine. But sometimes it's more sort of elongated. So, for example, with the mentorship program that we run on We Rise In, it's a sort of six month relationship where you're meeting with your mentor once a month. For a minimum of 30 minutes, most of our mentors and mentees choose to meet for longer. So when I was mentoring within the program, I always say to my mentees right off the bat, like, I'm going to make you accountable. (laughs) And I say up front because some people want someone that's going to handhold them. And that's fine, but that's not me. (laughs) So I'm always about being positive and uplifting, but also holding my mentees to account. You know, you said you were going to send X amount of CVs out. Why didn't you? You know, let's look at what stopped you from doing that. If was it a mental block, let's work on that mental block. Or was it just you were procrastinating or you were lazy? Let's call a spade a spade. So I like to keep it 100% real with my mentees. 
I always think like, oh, they're going to hate me, but they keep coming back. So <laughs> must be doing something right. Yeah, I think definitely a bit of tough love is necessary. As a teacher, I know that feeling and I face it often. Perhaps I say something a bit too bluntly or the truth is a bit too close to home. And I then often have a debrief conversation with a student, but they come back the next day. I guess perhaps younger people can be generally, maybe speaking, a bit more forgiving. (laughs) Um, And they come back a bit more sprightly, having appreciated the very blunt message, although delivered with a sense of sensitivity as well, which is important. But I think what you're saying about accountability is so important. We know that there are systemic challenges that affect access to opportunities for all sorts of minority groups, including, of course, Black people as well. But I think it's really important to realise how our own actions and choices are affecting the total potential as well. I think it's important to remember that as much as there are things going on out there, if I give too much weight to that, I have completely given away my power. So actually by admitting the accountability and the responsibility, as difficult as it may be, in reality, I'm actually reclaiming some of that power back. I'm not surrendering to the peaks and troughs of social waves and acceptance and rejection. And I'm standing firm in my core principles that I can summarize easily enough for me to remember and act upon frequently enough to achieve what what I want to. So ultimately that helps us to, we as a collective, rise in these different things. So coming towards the end of this conversation, I don't want it to end and I'm sure our listeners won't either. And some people say, you know, all good things must come to an end. Well, let's sometimes we can prolong good things as well. So I'll do that by this, perhaps one of the last questions then. What's some of the advice that you've got for anyone in the Black community regarding how they can maintain consistency? Because let's face it, that's the common feature that has constituted the success of many of the guests of the 40 Minute Mentor. People can talk eloquently, talk the loudest, have the best network, have the best idea, have the best start. But what's separating the who's who's of billionaires, quite frankly, from the rest is their consistency through times of triumph or tribulation. So that's why I want to close on that question. What is it that people from the Black community can do to maintain consistency to reach their goals? I'm going to quote Simon Sinek again. Start with why. Because you can't be consistent in something if you're not seriously passionate about what it is you're doing whether it's your business, whether it's where you're working, you've got to get that part right first because they do say like, if you enjoy what you do and you're passionate about what you do, it doesn't feel like work and you'll feel energized each day to get up and to do the work, even when you might not be seeing those results and the results might not come until later down the line, but just knowing the purpose as to why you're doing something or doing anything will kind of help you maintain that, the energy that you'll need to get up and go every day. In terms of being consistent, what's helped me is having accountability partners. So back in 2020, when I decided I needed to leave my job, I had a good friend of mine at at the workplace who also wanted to leave. And so when the pandemic hit and we kind of all went into lockdown, we decided we were going to speak to each other once a week and we were going to tell each other what we're going to do, what small steps we're going to do in that week to get us closer to our end goal of essentially leaving the company that we were at and then every week when we had the call we'd basically say what we had done and what we hadn't done and then we would 
to a certain extent, grill each other as to, you know, why haven't you done that? Having that accountability partner meant that I had to be consistent. You know, if I said I was going to do something, I had to do it because I knew that phone call was coming on a Friday morning. (laughs) Also, telling everyone what you do or what you want to do, where you want to get to, is another way of creating kind of accountability without necessarily having like a formal accountability partner structure. Because if you say to someone, oh, I want to be prime minister one day, they're going to be like, oh, so how's that prime minister journey going? You know, have you, you know, what are you doing to like, so there'll be those odd questions that will kind of remind you, okay, I said I was going to do that thing. Let me do that thing. Another practical thing for consistency is time blocking, something that I'm trying to to get better at doing, but setting out your day saying, you know, I'm going to spend X amount of time doing this one task, then doing this task, then doing that task. So then by the end of the day, you've done a certain amount of work Yet there might not have been kind of direct sort of results of that work, but at least you know that you've accomplished a little bit towards the goal that, you know, the greater goal that you're trying to achieve. And yeah, that's my advice for maintaining consistency. Faith, that is invaluable. Really, really invaluable. I love how you've articulated that, making these bigger goals more tangible, breaking them down. And it's important that we feel that psychological progress as well. And it is little things like, yeah, I'm just going to block out time for this. It is a little things like, oh, I've got someone to check me on this big or small goal that I said. And in a way, what you're doing is you're subtly priming yourself to move towards your goal without even knowing it. And you're just setting these parameters in these different ways, you know, in order to do that. So I yeah, can't thank you enough, you know, for those words of wisdom there. You're certainly mentoring loads of people right now. To finish off then, can you tell us what is it that We Rise In um, has in store for the future? What can we look forward to? Because we are buzzing just by the fact that this is coming to fruition and it's happening and it's creating a space for Black professionals across multiple industries. Over the last three years, we have run a number of programs, mentorship and leadership programs, growing our network now. We're at about sort of 1,500 odd mid to senior level Black professionals. The feedback that we keep getting from those who are coming on our programs or attending our events is that they love entering a space and for once being the majority rather than the minority. And so what's next for us is basically scaling that. So scaling that aspect. Currently what that looks like is creating a digital platform for our existing members and members sort of beyond London, because at the moment we're relatively London-centric, but we want Black professionals across the UK and, you know, worldwide to be able to access our training resources, but also to access that community of people that are like-minded and that kind of have the same kind of career aspirations as they do. And then beyond that, we're looking to occupy a physical space. So we're in talks at the moment with landlords and agents to find a space probably starting off in London and essentially creating a a black members club, if you will, a black Soho house, let's say, somewhere where our members can come, they can connect, they can do business, they can chill and feel at home in an area where, you know, it's traditionally sort of white dominated. So yeah, that's what's next for for We Rise In. Love that. As long as the rice and peas or jollof is reasonably priced in the black Soho house, I will be going for that early bird discount membership. I'm on my record now. Faith Lotchen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the 40 Minute Mentor podcast. Where can we find out more information? What are your, your socials and everything in regards to We Rising and yourself? So you can follow us on LinkedIn, our LinkedIn page, our company page, We Rise In. 
and we post all of our sort of upcoming events and programs on there. You can also go onto our website and join our mailing list or email contact at rewrising.co.uk to get on our mailing list. And then, yeah, just hopefully see you at an event soon. Amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners as well. I know for a while that you've gleaned so much from this conversation with Faith. Please look out for more of these sort of bespoke episodes of Black History Month coming out. And yeah, once again, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you're enjoying this series of 14 Mentors so far, then please do consider subscribing and leaving us a review on ratethispodcast.com forward slash 40mm. It really does help us spread the word and help make business mentorship even more accessible. That's all again from us today, but please make sure you tune in again next week for more pocket-sized mentorship. Mm-hmm.